environment. Welcome back to the Air Environment. She's the uh, environmental scientist, environmentalist. She's she's got a degree and lives in a cool place. <laughs> I don't know how many descriptors I can add. And I'm the urban pastor from a world surrounded by water. Ooh. Except for underneath us. We just have Ohio underneath us. You almost sound like water, like water world. Like I was getting water world water vibes. World. Michigan water world. Oh, and <laughs> this is a part of the Jackson Cloud. Uh, if you're looking for an online church, check it out. JacksonCloud.com. But today we get into more topics of the science slash faith realm, as that's what this podcast does. So I turn it over to Aaron to make us feel the feels. Woo! So today's kind of like a two-fold topic because both of these topics are like really quick to talk about, but also I want to address them. So I realized that some of the terminology I use when discussing like climate, like breakdown might be confusing why I use specific terms as opposed to more conventional ones. Uh, and it's because I like personally believe it's a better representation of what's occurring around us. But um, you'll often hear me refer to climate change as climate breakdown and ecological breakdown. And uh, there's many reasons for that. But what you need to know is like the term global warming was first used in 1975 and climate change was first used in 1958. And they are both popularized in the 1980s, like, as, like, common terminology to use what's happening around us. So there was pretty, like, well-known around that time, like, oh, global warming, like, revolves around this. So in the early 2000s, the President George W. Bush's administration actually went a step further and promoted the wide-ranging use of the phrase climate change specifically because it doesn't sound scary or urgent like the phrase global warming does. Um, gotcha. Yeah, so they just like kind of just stopped and then they put out memos that were like, please stop using this because it sounds urgent and we don't want to scare people. So now we should say climate change. That way it calms people down. And so we've had years and years of people using this. And what was it last year sometime? A company called Spark Nero, who is, they study like brainwaves, put out a case study about what happens to your brain when you hear the phrase climate change. And like climate, climate change and global warming, they like resulted in nothing like inherently negative or positive brainwaves. It was just something that we're accustomed to and we just zone out. So other more urgent sounding phrases like like what I use ecological breakdown, climate emergency, climate disaster, um, those like 
evoke urgency out of somebody. And that is like, so there's more urgency and it causes us to be like, oh, what can I do? What can I act? And so when I use the phrases climate breakdown, ecological breakdown, it's because I want you to know what's happening. Because um, we're, we're so desensitized to the other one. And it's easy to ignore a phrase that's been ignored for a long time. Like, we all know that, like, common knowledge of ecological breakdown has, like, everybody's known about it since, like, the 70s. Mm-hmm. Right? Does this all sound like, do I sound like I'm just, like, talking out of my head? No, lots of people don't know all these things. Okay. I, mean, I don't know all the details. I just know global warming or climate right. change. Excuse me. I... Well, well, it's ha- the Earth is like warming on a global scale, but also mm. that phrase incurs a lot of confusion there because remember when I was talking about the polar vortexes and they would like dip down. Well, uh-huh. we get really bad like cold winters, and then people would be like, "Well, there's no global warming." Because it's just yeah. supposed to be hotter, right? Yeah, there was like a presidential tweet a while back, a few years <laughs> back, that was like, I don't see global warming because it's really cold outside. I'm like, I think that's one of the like parts of global warming, isn't it? Is that where you were added? Yeah. Like it's colder. It's just everything's more extreme. Yes, absolutely. Like, yeah, we get weather in extremes. Like we don't get like little normal things. It's just like it's either really bad or really good and there's yeah. nothing in between so yeah. it being really cold is not therefore global warming is not around it's actually proof of global warming yes exactly because right. like i said the ice caps are melting so we've got that arctic air dipping down yeah mm. so uh right so that's why i felt like we need to ramp up our language when i you when i talk about this stuff online i only refer to it as that so when i'm on like instagram or twitter or something i always call it that because like the point isn't to use it because it's a different phrase the point is to use it because it's a crisis and mm-hmm. i want everyone to treat it like a crisis like if your house is on fire you're gonna call it what it is like it's an emergency <laughs> <laughs> so that is like that's part of the thing is like i want to remove common parlance i want to i don't want a term that was popularized in order to downplay human impact on our global ecosystem like i want to encourage action and reaction so i use phrases like climate and ecological breakdown to elicit a response from people so you understand the depth of an emer- of the emergency that we're all undergoing yeah I mean, yeah, there's a difference between, like, how do I present this to people so that they can process it without Mm -hmm. losing their minds immediately and trying to find a way to make it not look like a big deal at all. Right. You know, like, that's a different, that's like the opposite extreme. Yeah, we don't want, we don't want people, like, freaking out, but we also want them to be like, oh, this is urgent. We must do things. Yeah. Right when your kids mess up, like you don't want them to like lose it when you go to explain it, but right. like you also don't want them to like it doesn't matter, you know. Oh, so. Dad seemed pretty calm about this, so it must not be that big of an emergency. Like, but it, it is important to not touch the stove when it is hot. That's right. That's right. <laughs> like, don't do the thing. Don't do. Don't do the thing. It's our mm. catchphrase of the week. Don't do the thing. Don't do the thing. Don't do it. (laughs) (laughs) 
Can you imagine? What a life. What an absolute life. Yeah, so that's, like, a lot of things on here. I'm also trying to, like, give you how ways to act and ways to, like, perform actions. Um, like, when I say get involved with your local conservation charity or volunteer somewhere, it's because I'm, like, trying to elicit a response out of you and also because, like, this is scary. How's, how can we put something that freaks us out into action? Um, that way we're not just, like, sitting at home spinning our wheels all the time. Because <laughs> that would be yep. very upsetting. Indeed. Um, indubitably, <laughs> as it were. Which kind of brings me to my next um, topic, which is becoming more of a common term. Um, and a lot of people who are environmental scientists, climate scientists, climate and environmental activists, and even just, like, regular people are starting to experience and it's something called climate grief. Are you familiar with that uh, term? Uh, I mean, I think I have an assumption based on the expression, but no, I don't. Well, like, I don't like know that since you have it. an assumption, like, tell me what you think it is. Uh, just as we all go through stages of grief that can be overwhelming on different topics that we do the same thing? Or is it all the stages of grief, but with uh, climate? It's kind, it's kind of that. It's like a new condition, like it's psychological trauma based on the lack of action involving climate breakdown. So people are like grieving for the planet because they don't know what to do and not enough is being done. Mm. Um, and it, it uh, strikes a lot of people in my industry uh, pretty hard because we don't get a whole lot of wins. Um, so we try to celebrate the ones that we have, but every day is just kind of a constant like fight to stay positive and it does it does wear down weigh down on you and it's happening mostly now to people our age and younger uh because it's we just aren't sure what to do and we feel kind of like helpless and we want to do something and like we have intricate knowledge of how our climate is changing and we're in a massive extinction event like aside from um climate breakdown like the earth itself goes through extinction events so we would probably be in an extinction event as we know it but because of climate breakdown this has this process has sped up it's quite rapid so we're losing like tons of species every year sometimes we don't even know that we're losing them and like that we're like oh no when usually it's over like thousands and thousands of years we're like oh we lost that but you know it happens and it's just a lot of the conversation now around conservation is, well, where do we cut our losses? Like, how long do we keep at this one species? Should we be working on the whole habitat instead of just the one species? Because a lot of, like, it's very intricate thought and anxiety about, like, specific aspects of conservation and the climate. I blame the lady in the red dress on the other side of the spiritual realm on a beach next to all the dead whales. Yeah. Do you know what I'm talking about? I absolutely do know what you're, you're talking about. You're the only other person in the world who knows what I'm talking about. The extinction I watch, entity. I definitely watched Shop play that video game. Somewhere. Death Stranding. Death if you Stranding. want to know more about Death Stranding, I'm eventually doing an episode on the 1208-bit podcast. Uh, yeah, that. Hmm, as far as extinction issues go, that... Sh- 
play that game. It is a trip. Um, I know this isn't a video game podcast, but it is. It is now. Let's go. <laughs> yeah, but uh, back to when you were talking about, you know, yeah. few wins and the grief that comes with it. This goes with anything that works on social justice and anything of the, like, world impact scale. Like, I remember when I first started pastoring, our associate pastor had a really big drive to end human trafficking. And we were becoming aware of just how blatant it is everywhere in our society to the point that in many of our towns, you know, you have massage parlors and they are not run the way that you think that they're run business-wise or more or less infiltrated with, you know, modern day slavery in its own American form. Anyways, we learned a lot in the same way you'd learn a lot about like, how do we fix the climate? We learn all this stuff, mm-hmm. but then when you bring it up to people, like articles would be published, like, Jackson's now making steps forward to fight this and just all the comments on on M Live and whatnot would just be like, This isn't real, this isn't happening, these people are idiots, you know. You're like, How how are you what you know, like <laughs> the blatant disregard of the knowledge that we've spent all this time researching and and then there's the fact that like what do you do? It's just so massive. How do you stop it and fix it? You know, that's the same thing with like trying to fix Global warming is just so massive, and it's a huge conversation that the entire world is involved in. Um, that sometimes the weight of like trying to fix it and all your progressions are so minor that it's just so heavy. We all just kind of end up in grief. And sometimes the answer that a lot of people take is like they just stop trying because it's just too much to bear. Um, and so Whenever you get involved in any social justice uh, issue, like Mm -hmm. climate justice or human trafficking or modern-day slavery or fast fashion and so on and so forth, uh, you always got to come in with the long game and celebrate the little wins you get. Like when you stop things from being turned into golf courses and (laughs) what have you. Flashback to what, episode two or something? Yeah, uh, yeah. (laughs) <laughs> I'm only like sad because someone put in a, another uh, application for a golf course recently in that same area. So a lot of us are like massive win, but now it's like we're fighting a battle that shouldn't be fought all over again. <laughs> same battle too. That's a weird part. Yeah, it is. It is the application almost verbatim the same, but it's just in preliminary stages now. And we're not expecting it to go very far because there's no clear funding for it. So, Gotcha. Yeah. <laughs> Strange. Like weird timing type thing. Yeah, like but um so I know that I am very much like let's talk about the environment, let's talk about climate breakdown, let's talk about like saving habitats, let's talk about why it matters as a Christian, but like that's all kind of in the same realm. So I feel mm-hmm. like I can connect to other people who have sibling problems and talk to them, but you're an urban pastor in an area that needs a lot of love and healing. So how do you deal with so many different aspects of like justice and social justice and um, trying to touch all these different people? And so you're experiencing like different types of grief. Like how, as a pastor, do you like 
is there like specific verses or just like a Christ-like attitude type that you have to go for or? Uh, yeah, it's, I'm still kind of figuring that out. I've been trying mm-hmm. to let Bible and Jesus' example kind of form how I've been acting this year because this year has been a mega justice year in a yeah. lot of different ways. And we're not even at the peak yet, you know? Like, (laughs) whatever is ahead of us in the next few months, there's still something coming. So, with that being said, I've been trying to take note from Jesus, who is rather stern and in your face. But, like, Mm -hmm. you know, he would, like, he was straight and to the point and wasn't, like, apologetic when he was speaking on behalf of injustice, you know? Right. But, uh, so I would consider that, at least if we're looking at a social media realm, that's my proclamation statement right there, my post I make. But then when people comment and yell at me, I then take (laughs) on the next form of Jesus, who sits at a table with the Pharisees, whom he has called names many times, sits at a dinner table with them and eats and treats them like he would treat anybody else. So trying to find the balance i'm different in proclamation than i am in conversation right um and when it comes to like preaching in a church i think you have different you have the same thing like if i'm on the stage talking everyone knows like jamin's talking to us in a certain way that he would in this capacity right and if people come to me after and target me or want to talk about it or whatever I have to then be open more to conversation, listening to more sides, taking in thoughts and like, you know, there's anyways, different capacities. But, yeah, we just preached through Revelation. Then we did a whole series on justice. And now we're preaching in Isaiah. All three of those series, it's very justice focused. And I know that some people are overwhelmed right now. Like, yeah, tell us how we can fix just like how do we live today you know not like big picture how do we change the the world the scale of the helplessness we feel and um just as globally like it is massive and so the one like like because i suffer from environmental like climate grief um so i already feel pretty helpless and so that's why i go out and i like i work for a conservation charity i've recently started looking into how to remove some of the really nasty invasive plants in my area, like legally. So I have to go through like a lot of like uh, governmental channels to do that. And it just makes me feel like I have control over one thing because the scale of the crisis is so large that like as individuals, like we can't overcome it. So it's definitely like when you're saying like, we just have to sit at a table with people and just talk to them like uh, okay I get you don't understand but like let's let's just discuss things um, and that uh, I feel like a lot of times that gives us a bit more control so we're not like we're not like so angry but we're also just trying to like get people to understand like the emotions that we're feeling yeah I mean bold statements are bad but as soon as you're like just when you can't have a conversation after Right. No one no one's ever going to listen. You know, it's the same thing with climate change, especially for someone who didn't believe it in the first place and then you're screaming at them about it. It only 
hardens them. Supposedly, I heard the statistic that like when you make a post on social media and someone disagrees with it, it only hardens them more into their opinion. Mm-hmm. And they go to like reinforce it. So like if you want to get past that barrier, you got to remember to see the humanity on the other side. Otherwise, no one will ever. Yeah, that makes sense. Because I can I can honestly tell you the amount of times. Most of the time, it's like very scientifically incorrect, like people who don't want to vaccinate. Um, But I immediately am like turned off to any possible thing they could ever say about anything else because I'm just like. On this one thing, you're very wrong, and I, like, cannot look past that to the person, and, like, because I'm not perfect, I'm not Jesus, so I can definitely see how, uh, how, like, someone who's just, like, dug in so hard, and then you see that, and you're immediately like, well, I'll just correct them, um, which is why, like, as, as a rule, I don't usually engage in, um, political content like conversations i will i will privately message you and we will have a very long private conversation which i have done many times about many things but i won't publicly um comments i will definitely like just like go to your dms be like hey um (laughs) we need to talk about this uh because i don't understand so that's happened that's happened a lot yeah well i think when we handle those well, we give more space to the conversation than before. And no. Some people would be too hardened to ever really get into it at all. But uh, even that idea of, like, they say one thing very, very wrong. You don't want to listen to the rest. I mean, that's pretty human. You know, that was yeah. – we've quoted it twice, I think, but Augustine, who was like, who's going to listen to things about <laughs> resurrection and miracles if you yeah. can't even talk about science correctly, you know? How would they yeah. believe in the Bible if they, you keep saying things that they scientifically can prove to you are wrong? I'm paraphrasing at this point. Right. So. Yeah. Yeah. It's a lot. It's just a lot of stuff to weigh on you. I suppose as a human, I like the idea of um, table flipping Jesus uh, <laughs> more than calm conversation Jesus. <laughs> so, Feels like I'm doing something. In 2020, we're all more interested in table flipping Jesus. <laughs> but that was followed by a cross. And that's the hard part to remember. <laughs> that's very true. Yes. Like he didn't he didn't just do that stuff to feel better about himself. That is true. No. Well, that's kind of the ironic part. We flip some tables and everyone's like, shut up, we hate you. And like that's what follows the flipping tables? They're like, You're like why, does, flip, flip why is everybody against me all of a sudden? Why? <laughs> I flipped all these tables. Like, sometimes, don't get me wrong, sometimes table flipping Jesus is very necessary and he is there, but I feel like sometimes I just want to start there. And Jesus absolutely did not start walking around flipping tables. Like, that, that man had conversations. <laughs> so. Yeah. Yeah, that would have probably brought the cross a lot sooner, so... But there is that element to him, and that's something that I've had to learn, I think, over the past few years as I was preaching through the Gospels, because for me, I was very much just this, like, lovey-dovey, everything's all good in the hood, and 
that kind of version of Jesus, which there is that element there, don't get me wrong, you know, he's, he's God is love, that's the first and foremost, most important character about him. Right. Uh, but flipping tables is clearly a part of what it means to love when you're just so caught off by the injustice of the world in whatever capacity it might be. So it's learning to flip tables well. That's the challenge. Right. Yeah, it's not uh, me going out and ripping up all the rhododendron because I'm mad about it. Um, it's me going through the right channels to rip up the rhododendron because I'm mad about it. <laughs> so I'm not trespassing on people's property. And but <laughs> I'll have to make sure we don't have any rhododendrons in our yard before you come back here. <laughs> I'll just Google what those look like. Uh, they're oh, you. You okay. don't have one. They're quite large. <laughs> It is, it is common common garden plant here, um, but it's from the Himalayas. So if you look up Himalayan rhododendron forests, they're beautiful, but they're also yeah. specifically where they're supposed to be. These are um, so good looking. Why are you are trying to kill everybody's flowers? Because they're from the Himalayas and they don't belong here. <laughs> so, well, there's a such thing as a native invasive as well. So sometimes because of other invasive species or just like habitat destruction native trees and plants can actually become invasive um i know this is a tangent everybody listening but it is interesting so there's a very common plant here called gorse and a lot of times farmers will burn it off of um, hillsides because it's it will become invasive because there aren't as many plants so they have to act actively destroy it because it's invasive even though it is native to the country it's just not native to that area of the country so little bit of invasive species knowledge for y'all i googled michigan invasive species and i'm mostly getting some uh, alien looking creatures yeah there's a lot they all seem to be like sea worms with a million teeth so michigan has a like an in on goodness on like so many invasive um water aquatic species because we're major port country like country we're major port area for the state so a lot of them used to come in detroit in like the 90s so there's a lot of invasive species laws with ballast so that's water that ships use to balance so they would just come into the port like all the way to detroit dump their ballast which is all this water they've collected from all the way like on the other side of the ocean um, and then just dump all of these species and then leave. So now uh, to combat that, that they had a lot of ballast laws where actually before you enter like the Hudson River, you have to dump it in the ocean and then you can come in. Um, and our amount of aquatic invasive species has like massively dropped like after they passed that legislation. Um, but we still, but we, they're still there. So we're overwhelmed by them for sure in Michigan. How, if you collected all that in the ocean, how's it surviving so well in our saltless lakes? So they'll dump them and then they'll keep collecting and then dump them and keep collecting. Like it's kind of like a little poop, 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 poop. Um, and so they'll catch stuff at the beginning of the port. Like, so they'll get stuff way over here because the estuary which is usually where most port cities are are have a combination of both 
salt water and fresh water. So you'll get a mixture of both types of species. Interesting. Yeah. This is how we create that three-eyed fish from The Simpsons. Yeah, no, that definitely had to do with a nuclear power plant. But that is Some, not, nuclear uh, power is good for you. That was The Simpsons nuclear power plant, which was fake. <laughs> so, is it, though? It is. Is it? Is it Chernobyl not definitely just, gave it a bad name, but um, it is good. Well, it is very efficient. kind of an understatement, but yeah. <laughs> Interesting. Yay! Well. So, <laughs> Now I'm just looking at pictures of red crayfish and eels. Zebra mussels are a big thing. Um, yeah, I saw that come up. There's something that looks like it's straight out of Dune. That yeah. I'm afraid if that gets radioactive powers, it's going to... Yeah, we also have like a plethora of plants like giant hogsweed, and um, we've got a lot of invasive um, insects. So we've got uh, Asian longhorn beetle and like the gypsy moth catcher. <laughs> we've got a lot. There's uh, Over here, we've got a lot of invasive fungi, so they will, they're like, will attack trees, and so they have a really big problem here with ash die-off. So it gets attacked by this fungus and then dies. That anyway. reminds me. I saw some trailer for some fungus movie you might like. Oh, interesting. I don't know. The graphics they used to try to tell it. Fantastic fungi. Oh, they looked, cool. The graphics look cool. But I don't watch documentaries about mushrooms. So. Uh, well, first of all, everybody should because monkey mycology is great fungi are the coolest thing ever so they're actually a small organism that lives underground and the mushrooms that you see are just fruiting bodies so there's just you you can find where fungi are uh, when they're not fruiting so outside of like mushroom season by sampling dirt and then looking for specific dna uh they're the coolest thing i love them so <laughs> you should definitely watch this about fungi um i feel like we've got a little off topic we've got you're a lot telling off. me i definitely have to watch a movie that i told you about that you've never seen yes i'm absolutely that is watch. how off topic we are right now <laughs> anyway uh, i wanted to bring a little attention to climate um and ecological grief because i know a lot of us are probably suffering from it and it's important to talk to each other about it and acknowledge like ways that we can like act and um, like try to feel a little more control over it uh, and you know also grieve because it's rough and if you gotta feel your feelings so and that brings us full circle because I said you were gonna make us feel our feelings so now yeah. it's been done and now we will uh, get ready to go when we return next time Aaron will direct message all of you about vaccines in the meantime <laughs> Uh, you can check out. <laughs> I will do it. Please don't make me do that. <laughs> check out this podcast and more at Jackson Cloud. That's jxncloud.com slash air environment. And when you do that, you'll find all of our previous episodes. Or, of course, you can find them wherever you listen to your podcast. May it be Apple, Google, Spotify, Amazon. Aaron's all over the web as Yay. she conquers the web of life. Yep. Also, if you have topic ideas or things you'd like to ask questions about, 
send them over either on the cloud or at Twitter or our discord channel and we'll talk to you there yeah